It's a privilege to stand before you today, to bring God's word to you today. It's a privilege to be to be led by God. And I am excited, I am very excited about the opportunity to, uh, that God has given me here and I'm excited for the way he has led in, in my own heart, in the elders' hearts. We'd l- certainly like to talk more about that and encourage you to come to those question and answer times where, where uh, I and the elders will be there to, to help with that. Or even before then, if you have questions, just come and talk to me and uh, we'd love to just share with you what the Lord is doing and how the Lord has moved and how he's led us in that way. So thank you for, for uh, participating in this process. It's an important thing for this church. And so we, we are excited about all that God is, is moving in and uh, what he's doing. So pray with me now, then we'll uh, open the word together. Oh Lord, I want to just thank you now for your word Our souls are hungry for it. Your word is food for our hungry souls. Your word is light to our darkened eyes. Lord, open up. Open up the floodgates this morning and let us receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to be talking about John chapter 10. John chapter 10. So you can open up in your Bibles to that. We will read it together up on the screen. But uh, before we do that, I want to uh, just show you this picture. This will help us understand some of John chapter 10. See, in the first century, shepherds would take their, their sheep out into the fields, and all day long their sheep would be eating good food, green grass, fresh water. But at night, the shepherds needed to get rest. And so what they would do is they would bring their sheep to a sheepfold, which you see in front of you here. And you can see the sheepfold has walls all around it, and there is one opening right here. And the sheepfold doorkeeper would place himself in that opening and keep the sheep in and keep thieves or anybody else out. That was his job. Well, many shepherds were out there, and many times, several shepherds would come to the same sheepfold at night and bring their sheep into the fold. And the the doorkeeper would let each sheep in, examine the sheep, make sure they were healthy, and then the shepherds would go off and rest. But there are many, many different flocks in here now, and they're all mixing together. And through the night, the... the, uh, uh, doorkeeper would watch, keep watch while the shepherds rested. Then in the morning, the shepherds would come back. Now the challenge was, how do I get just my sheep out of this pen that's filled with maybe three or four shepherds' sheep? Well, it was easy because all I had to do is to call my sheep with my call and my voice and they would hear and they would run to me and then I would just lead them out. If you haven't looked up on the internet uh, yet at all, if you haven't seen this done, just look up sheep callers and you'll be amazed. So three people could be standing next to each other. There'll be a bunch of sheep out there and the first one will call with the shepherd's call. The sheep totally ignore them. Second one, 
Totally ignore him. The shepherd actually calls with the same call the sheep just heard, but it's his voice, and those sheep pick their heads up, their ears are perked, and they run right after that sheep. And so that's going to help right after the shepherd, right? They run right after the shepherd, and they go out with him. So that's... that's uh, what we're doing today. Now, you know I like to have visuals for you. So I thought today I would bring out a live sheep. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was just a bad joke. <laughs> Sheer stupidity, right? Sheer stupidity. Did you get that one? Uh, all right. I feel a little sheepish. I'll stop. Okay. One more thing. Before we read chapter 10, we have to remember that chapter 10 is a continuation of chapter, you guys are good, right? Chapter 9. And what happened in chapter 9 is really important because Jesus is just continuing the conversation that he's having with the leaders. So in chapter 9, Jesus healed a blind man. And this man not only received sight again, but he received Jesus as his savior and followed Jesus as a believer. Now, this happened on the Jewish day of rest, the national day of rest called the Sabbath. The Jewish leaders were furious. They plied this man with questions. Who did this? How was it done? How could this happen on the, on the Sabbath? The person who did this must be a sinner because this is a Sabbath. And if he was not a sinner, he would not have done this on the Sabbath. The blind man just kept trying to, well, I should say the healed man, just kept trying to answer the questions over and over and over. But they were so frustrated with his answers, the honest answers, that they began to accuse him. They began to, to mock him. And at the end of this incident, they actually excommunicated him from society. He was no longer a part of their society. Well, Jesus is amidst all of this and, and sees what's going on, and Jesus, too, is frustrated. He is frustrated with these Jewish religious leaders who are supposed to be the shepherds of the people. And look at how they are treating a sheep, that they would actually excommunicate one, say, get out, you are out, because you've been honest with us. And Jesus is broken. In fact, he calls them here, he calls them, in the passage we're going to look at, he calls them thieves, which a thief is somebody who steals by deception, robbers, somebody who steals by force, and hired hands. In other words, they're doing it for their, their own money, their own, whatever they gain out of it. These leaders had no interest in the sheep themselves. So let's read together now. As I said, will be in John chapter 10. I'd like you to follow along with me as I read on the screen. This way we're all in the same, but then keep your Bibles open so that you can be studying together as we go through this. So Jesus said to these leaders, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. 
So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to pick it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of the one who is possessed or who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Oh, we have here in John chapter 10 such a great chapter. Jesus starts with this comparison, this contrast. He is contrasting the shepherd, somebody who walks in by the gate, to those who climb in. And if they're climbing in, they obviously have ill intent. There's something that they want that's not honest and not for the good of the sheep. In fact, verse 10 told us that those who try to climb in to this position are there only to really steal and kill and destroy. You see, these leaders were not shepherds. They were like the shepherds that we read about in Ezekiel. They were evil shepherds, shepherds who would destroy their own sheep. They didn't care about the sheep. These were shepherds who got in by politics or by power or by money. Somehow, they became the shepherds of the Jewish people but they didn't care for the Jewish people. And it broke Jesus' heart. They didn't have the good of the people in mind. And Jesus was so concerned about this. The way they treated this blind man was just one example of their mistreatment and their abuse of the Jewish people. The real shepherd enters in by the gate. And when he enters in, he calls the sheep by name. He calls each sheep by name, every sheep. He knows the name of every single sheep. We have so many good examples of this in the New Testament. Jesus called Mary Magdalene by name and called her out of demon possession. He called Peter by name and called him out of pride He called Nathaniel by name, called him out of arrogance. Thomas called out of doubt. Zacchaeus, he called out of a tree. 
He calls you. He calls me. He knows your name. He knows my name. This is such a beautiful thing. You know, God, God works in so many individual and tailored ways. Last week, we had this beautiful baptism service. We had new members. We heard 12 testimonies last week, testimonies of how Jesus has changed the lives of individuals. Every single one of those testimonies was different. Every one was different because God works in very special and unique ways for each individual person. He made you. He knows you. He knows your name. He loves you. He is working in individual ways for every one of us. He does save us to become a part of the church at large, and he does save you to become a part of a local body, but he saves individuals one at a time. He works individually in our lives. And yes, God loves the world, but he loves you, every single one of you. He loves you individually. And he reaches out to you. He even says in John, in, in uh, verse 14, he says, I know my own and my own know me, even as the Father knows me and I know my Father. You see, Jesus and the Father are one, right? They're completely unified. There's nothing withheld from either of them. They totally know each other in complete harmony and complete knowledge. Jesus says, I know my sheep the same way. Can you imagine that? Jesus knows us the same way. You know, when we looked at John chapter 9, uh, John Desiderio uh, was, was preaching that day, and he talked about that, that blind man was unseen. Not only was he blind, but he was unseen. He was the invisible man to the society. People ignored him. Do you ever feel that way? you ever feel unseen or unnoticed? Well, you're not. Jesus knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows your name and he works and he knows you to the same extent that he knows his own father and his father knows him. That's how great his knowledge of you is and how great his love is. And he not only knows you and calls you by name, but he leads on. The scripture passage we read today says he leads you out. And I love this passage. You know, as we in, in the, the, the Western society, what we, how we handle sheep is we drive sheep, don't we? We drive them with dogs. We drive them on horseback. We drive them on four-wheelers. We move them by fear. We scare them into moving. We frighten them. We control them. Not the good shepherd. No, he leads. He leads the way. He calls them and they follow behind. And what I love about this is that this means that Jesus is ahead of us regarding our future. Do you ever fear the future? Do you ever fear that somebody close to you may die? Or you fear sickness? Or you fear loss of job? Or you fear that the price of gas might go over $4 a gallon? Oh, it's there already. Or you fear that, that this war in Ukraine could end up as World War III? Do you ever have those fears? You know, Jesus is ahead of us. We have nothing to fear. Jesus goes before us. He leads us. The, the shepherd is always leading his people to 
healthy green pastures and beautiful fresh water. Now, sometimes the shepherd needs to take us over rocky ground in order to get there. Sometimes he'll need to take us through a a fast-running stream in order to get there. But we get there. And if we follow him, if we trust him and go through those times, we get there, the place of peace, the place of fulfillment. Many of you can can attest in your own lives to trials and difficulties that you've had, but you know that Jesus has been with you. You know that Jesus has guided you and led you there, and that on the other end of that is that beautiful, beautiful green pasture. He goes on ahead. He always works for our good, right? He works all things for the good of those who know him and love him and are called according to his purpose. He works that for us. You know, you and I cannot know the future. We can't. We cannot know the future. But we can know the God of the future. And that God of the future knows us. He knows us so well. And so we can trust in him. We, we don't have to fear the future. We know he will lead us to the right place. We've just got to get in line. We've just got to follow him. I don't need to see what's beyond him. I just need to see his back and say, Lord, I'm following. So when we have fears, we need to rest in the fact that our shepherd is leading the way. He's not driving us with fear. He's leading the way, and in that leading, he gives us confidence to follow. And he leads us by calling us with his voice, and we recognize his voice. So, do you recognize his voice? Do you know his voice? If you heard his voice today, would you recognize it and say, that's the voice of Jesus. That's Jesus talking to me. So, how do we know the voice of God? The main way through the scriptures. This is the primary way God leads us. He does lead us by godly counsel. He leads us by his spirit and speaking to our our inner hearts. But the primary way God leads us is with his word. This is why we are in his word. This is why we preach this every Sunday. This is why we encourage you to be in the word in a daily way. When we are following the word, we don't have to guess what he's saying to us, right? Hmm, was that the Lord? I don't, I don't know. Of course it was the Lord. It's in his word. That's the Lord speaking to us. And so we follow. We follow him. I love that over 60 of you are reading with me through the New Testament in 90 days. And we're getting there, right? There's just a few more days left. March 31st is the day. In fact, on that day, if you've been reading through the New Testament, or even if you gave up a little bit Just join us back on the schedule and come to our party on March 31st when we will read the last two chapters of Revelation together. We'll have lots of dessert and be encouraging to one another with the word of God. But I love that 60 of you are in the word of God with me. And I love that so many others are reading God's word. It may not be that program, but it's another one you're reading regularly. Because if you want to hear God's voice, you will want to be in his word. And so if you're in his word, it tells me you want to hear him. You're looking for his voice. You're looking for his direction. And the word is where we find it. This is where we find it most. 
Now, I do need to caution you because we can be in the word and not hear his voice. If you think about it, these Jewish religious leaders probably knew God's word much, much better than you and I do. They did not hear God's voice, did they? There was a young man in my former church. I, I uh, poured a lot of time into him. He was a young man. He was really hungry for discipleship and growing. And, and uh, we spent a lot of time together. He, uh, one of the things he did was he competed in Bible memorization. So he memorized the Gospel of Matthew, the entire Gospel of Matthew. He memorized the book of Hebrews, the book of James, the book of First and Second Peter, and there were probably others that I can't remember. And then he would go and he would compete in them. When Joe got to college, Joe turned his back on the Lord. And he's still, now he's well into his 20s. As far as I know, he's still not following the Lord. What? He was in the Word. He knew the Word better than I do, that's for sure. But his heart wasn't listening you see, we can hear the word and not listen with our hearts. It's both, isn't it? It's being in the word and it's our hearts. See, I, I lived my life for a long time as a Christian. I lived my life checking boxes. Ooh, I read the word today. Good Christian boy. Yeah. I prayed today. Good Christian boy. Check those boxes off. I'm doing great. But I learned that the Lord wanted my heart he wants obedience, but he wants obedience because my heart is following him, not because I'm trying to earn points or gain merit or do anything else. He just wants my heart. That's what he wants from all of us. Be in the word, believer, but be there because your heart is crying after him. And if your heart is not crying after him, then cry after him anyway. Just call out to him and say, Lord, I'm not hungry for you. I don't desire your word. I don't desire to hear your voice. He will speak. He wants you. He wants your heart. That's what he's after. Oh, be in the word. You know, at this point then in, in our passage, it says that the, the listeners didn't understand what Jesus was saying. They didn't hear him. He was speaking the words to them, but they didn't hear his voice. So Jesus decides, okay, I need to make this clearer. Let me make it more clear to you. So Jesus gives us two I am statements. Now, these I am statements are super important in the Bible. We know this because way back when Moses was dealing with God in the burning bush, Moses says, who are you? Who, who should I said, say sent me? And God replies, I am that I am, meaning I am the great I am. I am I am self-sufficient and self-existing. I'm dependent on no one. I am that I am. That's God's statement of himself. So in the Gospel of John, so far we've seen that Jesus has claimed to be, he said, I am the bread of life, meaning full satisfaction for anybody who eats of this bread. He says, I am the light of the world, meaning I take away the darkness for anybody who follows me. And now in this passage, he's going to give us two more I am statements. His first one is, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. There's only one way. There's only one door. You saw that picture. There's only one door. There's not more ways in. Anybody else who's trying to get in is getting in over the wall. They, they come with ill intent. 
the only way into the fold is through the door, and Jesus is that door. He's saying to this leader, he's saying, you may be Jewish, you may be a rabbi, you may be a Pharisee, that's not how you get into the fold. You only get in through the door, and I am the door, Jesus says. So, so what does he mean by, uh, by getting into the fold? He's talking about having life, abundant life. He's talking about being saved and salvation, and, and he's talking to us, isn't he? You know, we hear many times in our society, there are many streams lead to the same river. Many paths will lead to the same summit. It's just not true. You see, most streams, all, every stream except for Jesus leads to futility. And every path except for Jesus leads to emptiness and hopelessness. Jesus is the only hope. Jesus is, is the only one we are to follow. There is only one name and there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved and that is the name of Jesus, only Jesus. And that's not politically correct, is it? You know, it doesn't fit with our tolerant society. It doesn't fit at all. So I want to give you an illustration. Let's just say you are on a ship and this ship is sinking it's got a big hole in it. Water's coming in. The ship is going down. And there are four lifeboats. And I know that three of those lifeboats have holes in them. And only one is going to work. And I tell you that that one is going to work. Was I intolerant? Was I politically correct? I'm, it's being merciful to you, Right? When we speak the gospel to somebody, we're not giving them one of many options. We're giving them the only option for truth, the only option for salvation. When you witness and share your testimony with somebody, you are giving them the only way that they can be in the fold and receive eternal life. Every other way is a way of futility and a way of hopelessness. Believer, you and I know the way, the door the one and only door. It's a privilege and a joy to be able to share that with somebody. Don't let our society intimidate you by calling you, you, you know, ignorant or, or uh, intolerant or narrow-minded. You're not narrow-minded if you're looking to t point somebody to the right boat to get on, right? That's not narrow-minded. That's being merciful. That's what we do. We offer God's mercy. We are ministers of reconciliation. That's what the Bible calls us. Jesus is the door. He is the door. And he tells us that by going in, following him in this door, that he gives us abundant life. We're not only saved, okay, not only saved from hell and from punishment, but he gives us abundant life. And that means blessed life. He gives us a blessed life. Now, here's where knowing his word comes, or knowing his voice, comes in real handy. Because there are many preachers that will tell you that the abundant life is the blessed life, meaning you should have a lot of abundant things. And they will tell you that with the right amount of faith, you should be able to have all you want. Name it and claim it. They will tell you that with the right amount of faith, you won't have any problems in your life. In fact, you shouldn't get sick. You shouldn't have any troubles or pain or discouragement because you're a child of the king. 
And Jesus wants to give us the abundant life. That's what he died for, to give me the abundant life. People, if you know the voice of Jesus, you know that's not his voice speaking that, right? Jesus actually defines for us what that abundant life looks like. In, in, this, in this passage that we looked at, he says, he defines it by saying, the, it's going in and out in safety and finding pastures. That's Old Testament language for ultimate peace. That in Jesus, we can have ultimate peace. Psalm 116, I'm sorry, Psalm 16 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence are fullness of joy, not the presence of all these abundant things that I have. I'm not going to find joy in the things I have. I find joy in your presence, Lord. That's the only place. Now, when I'm finding my joy in the presence of God, then all of these other things fall in their rightful place and I can be contented with them. The truth is, we're really never contented in this world, right? There's nothing in this world that can satisfy us. All the things I can own, all the things I can have, all the things I can do, nothing is truly satisfying and it's supposed to be that way for believers. We are supposed to be dissatisfied with this world because this place is not our home. We're going home. We will be home one day and then we will be fully satisfied. But until then, there is some dissatisfaction with the world. But if we have Jesus, we are fully satisfied and we're not looking for satisfaction in everything in the world because Jesus is our joy. He is our shepherd. He's the one we crave after. He's the only one who can fulfill that and give that to us. True peace, true leading, true care from Jesus, our shepherd. I love this quote from a Civil War soldier. He says, I asked God for all things that I may enjoy life. And I was given life that I may enjoy all things. And that's really what it is, isn't it? It's talking about true satisfaction and contentment and joy that we can only find in Jesus and not in anything else. I can take whatever this life gives me, all the trouble, all the disappointment, all the heartache that this life gives me if I have Jesus in the right place because in him is all my satisfaction and my joy. Jesus goes on to say, I'm not only the door, but I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And I love the Greek for this. It reads this way. It says, I am the shepherd, the ideal. The shepherd, the ideal. And isn't he? He is. He is the ideal shepherd. And he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, this must have been shocking. I mean, think about this. A shepherd doesn't give up his life for the sheep. He lives for his sheep. What happens when a shepherd dies? The sheep scatter, right? If, if we're sheep and we're out in the field and the shepherd dies, well, now there's nobody to protect us from the wolf. There's nobody to direct us away from the rushing waters that will drown us. There's nobody who's going to protect us and lead us into the fold at night. He lays down his life for the sheep. This must have been shocking. But that's just it. It's because Jesus, the good shepherd, gives up his life that we can have the abundant life that he's talking about. 
It's because he gives up his life that we can have eternal life. Jesus did all that, and he chose to do that. He didn't do this as some victim. Jesus chose to give up his life. He says, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one has taken it from me. I lay it down on my own initiative. See, Jesus didn't die as as a victim and we just get the benefits from that. He literally gave up his life for you, the sheep that he knows by name, because he knew that in his death would be your life. What a good shepherd he is. And he says, I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up. And only God can do that. There's no man who can say, I have the authority to lay my life down and to take it up again. And that's what Jesus did. And that is because he is God. He is able to do that. In verse 16, Jesus says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they shall hear my voice and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. So most of us here are here because of this verse. You see, there are some people who are privileged to be Jewish and believers in Yeshua HaMashiach. The rest of us Gentiles, the rest of us Goyim, we don't get to do that. We were not a part of the fold but he brought us in. We didn't deserve that. We weren't a a part of that, that original concept of the Jews leading people to Christ. Jesus brought us Gentiles in. He calls us. He calls us. Peter says of us, he says, once you were not a people, like you were even, you were not even a people, but now you're the people of God. He said, you are like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Believer, Jesus oversees your soul and he calls you. He calls Jews. He calls Gentiles. He calls Americans. He calls Russians. He calls Ukrainians. He even calls Italians. Imagine that. I like to bring that point up. Don't forget it. And he's calling you. He's calling you today. He's calling you today. As we close here, I want to just bring, uh, bring your attention to uh, verse 19 through 21 because this is the reaction of the people. And in this reaction, you're just gonna see that they had a very different way of thinking about Jesus. It says, therefore, there was a division among the Jews because of these say- sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and he's mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? In verse 31, it says, then the Jews took up stones, tried to stone him. In verse 42, it says, and many believed him there. They all heard the same words. Every one of these people that were standing there heard the same words of Jesus. And look at the different reaction. Some wanted to kill him. They accused him of being demon-possessed, accused him of being crazy. Some believed. Today, you've heard the word. You've heard the word of God from John chapter 10. And you can have any of those reactions. And you know, all of those reactions are legitimate, right? We can react however, however we want. Now, not all of those reactions are healthy, 
right, or helpful, right? If you choose to, to deny Jesus, you are choosing to not have abundant life. You're choosing to not have eternal life. You're choosing to not take the opportunity that Jesus gives you today. You see, we can reject God. Even as believers, we can reject his teaching. We can harden our hearts to God. We can say, I'm not listening. I I don't hear your voice, Lord. Today, you have heard the words of Jesus And Jesus is calling you by name. Did you hear your name? Did you hear him call out to you? Were you listening? And what's your response to that? So very often I will say, if you'd like to respond positively to the message, I want to encourage you to come forward and we'll pray with you. The elders will be here and pray. I'm not going to do that today. Instead what I'm going to do is, if you have responded negatively to the message. If you say in your heart, I don't get this stuff. This is crazy. I don't understand it. I don't want it. Or I do hear it, but it's not for me. Would you have the courage to talk to me, to call me, to email me, talk to me after the service? I won't judge you, all right? This isn't about judging. I don't have to judge you. Jesus is the judge, not me. But I would love the opportunity to talk further with you about this and say, why would you choose death? Why would you choose to not have life? So I want to encourage you. Come and talk to me if that's you. If you are here and you say, yes, I've heard the voice and I am following, then do it. Let's go out of here following hard, chasing hard after Jesus, clinging to his robe as he moves forward because in him is our future. Without him, there is no future. So we are going to close today. Let's stand together. We'd like to read Psalm 23 together. Psalm 23, great psalm about a shepherd. And you know what I love about this psalm? Well, I love a lot of things about the psalm, but I want to tell you a quick story. Many of you know that, that our brother, Bob Bacon, went to be with Jesus and uh, just this past week, and the night before I got to visit him in the hospital, and I, I read a scripture verse to him, and then I said, you know, Bob, I, th- I think you would enjoy hearing Psalm 23, and he was in and out of stupor at this point, you know, and, and, uh, but as I began Psalm 23 in the King James Version, uh, he recited every word with me. At one point in the middle, he kind of tired out, stopped, and I said, no, Bob, keep saying it with me. And he perked right up, and he finished the psalm with me because it meant so much to him. It means so much to us. Jesus is our good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Let's read this together, and then we'll go out from here. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup 
overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. And to use Jesus' words today, let us go in and out in safety and find pasture because he is our good shepherd. Amen. Thank you for being with us today.